It's time for The Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's The Car Doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday Boston, or maybe a listener on 100.3 FM as well, either way. Hey, we got a great show planned for today. Uh, in fact, let's get started with it right now. With us on the phone is uh, Danny DeSantis. Uh, Danny DeSantis is from McLaren of Boston. Danny, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. How are you today? Good. How are you? Hey, uh, uh, your 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 name is kind of legendary all around the South Shore, but you uh, opened up a legendary dealership in Norwell, uh, McLaren of Boston. Yes, that's correct. And, and, <laughs> and every minute of it. And uh, I I have I have only driven a McLaren Spider. I haven't I haven't driven uh, I haven't driven the most expensive of them, but they are pretty phenomenal cars. And speaking of phenomenal, you have. Um, Four cars uh, coming out from. Uh, I guess if you collect, if you have more than one or something, you're a collector, right? <laughs> I, I, I think that is the truth. But you know, you can be a collector with just one car because some of the cars are very special. And uh, the ones you have coming out there now, they're they're uh, they're, they're from a guy out in New York, right? He's actually New Jersey, New Jersey, and, and Miami, Florida. Yeah, Michael Fuchs. He's got quite an extensive car collection. Uh, probably the largest, uh, one of the largest in the United States. Um, but he is a very avid McLaren collector and gets he gets car number two of every single model. And he has sort of a unique color palette of his cars, doesn't he? <laughs> he certainly does. He's got on, on his seven twenty. He's got uh, it's called Fuchsia, which is like a I'm going to say a pinky purple with um, white interior. His center is 100 percent carbon fiber. Um, it's it's almost a, its own color. It's that that he has that no one else can copy. It's a green, but you can see the metallic. I mean, the carbon fiber right through, and also white interior. He's got his orange orange twelve C and his purple white twelve C spider here. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty unique color collection, I think. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and, you, and you guys are doing a cars and coffee event this morning, right? Yes, today is uh, is our last one for the year, so there's going to be a lot of people here. It's from uh, ten to twelve. Um, like I said, featuring the Michael Fuchs collection, we've got lots of new and used McLarens here amongst pretty much every other brand. So we've got some special cars coming. We've got a Conestate coming. We've got a Pagani coming. We've got lots of really neat stuff that'll be here today for the final show. And the uh, uh, you know some some of your cars. Um, I was on your website last night. Two point seven million. Yep, we have a. Uh, uh, Carbon fiber P1, which is still brand new. It's on MSO. Um, it's got 100 miles on it. It's delivery miles. It's a full carbon fiber body car. Um, you can see the carbon fiber right through. It's the only one to ever come to the United States is a carbon fiber body car. The other ones that were here, there's probably five or seven other carbon body cars that are here in the United States that all came as a regular body and sent back to have the carbon fiber body installed for the, in the tune of like. $350,000 plus freight and then uh, back and forth to our uh, working. So yeah. it's a pretty special car. We've got another P1 here, an orange one. Um, we've got we've got pretty much everything here. 
Yeah. Now, who who buys McLarens? Who who's the typical buyer of McLaren? It's really everybody. You'd be surprised, and I know I was completely surprised when I took over the dealership or opened the dealership to McLaren. You know, being a Chevrolet and a Ford dealer uh, for many many years. That you know, you, you really get everybody that buys the car. We get women, we get you know doctors, we get sports uh, athletes, professionals. We get really the whole um, the, the whole gamut of, of everybody buying the cars. Lots and lots of you know people. Sometimes you wouldn't think would be buying the car. Lots of uh, younger people and and all the way up to you know anybody that just enjoys the product. Our studio's over in Marina Bay, and somebody over here has a McLaren. I've I've seen it. I've seen it around here from time to time. So, uh, yep, um, I, I believe the chairman there is. is uh, he's got a, a, uh, it's a. It's a dark gray, almost black, five seventy. Yep. There's tons. We've got them in Boston. We've got. We sold seventy nine new cars last year, um, and forty eight new the year before. So we're on pace to break both those uh, numbers this year. And amongst another, as many used, you know what I mean, certified McLaren. So there's, there's lots of them in the area now. There's a lot more than you're thinking. Like I said, if you came by here today, or anybody wants to come by and see, you'll see that, you know, you'll see at least 50 McLarens here on the property. Wow. And uh, yeah. did I did I hear a rumor you're opening another high-end dealership somewhere around there? I am, but uh, it's not around here. It's a little bit away from here. Unfortunately, I can't say where it is. All right. But uh, the, the rumor is correct. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess I know some people you know. Maybe that's what it is. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I heard I heard some I heard some stories. Well, I know you got a busy day for today. Before I let you go, I just I have I have one question. that's just totally uh, got nothing to do with this. Do you spill? Do you still spend all your money on boat sicko really fast? I do. I was uh, actually with doing that uh, the last couple of weekends, but yes, I still do. Unfortunately, that is uh, another um, little bit of a. Plus the problem that I have, but I, yes, I do spend a lot of time going fast in boats. We uh, did a marathon run about 250 miles two weeks ago, and we averaged 150 miles an hour with uh, in a pleasure boat with five people in the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I've uh, I've caught some of that stuff, and it's it's pretty amazing. Dan, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning. Cars and coffee today. Uh, let's give out the address. Uh, I, it's uh, it's uh, right in Norwell, but what's what's the address there? It's, it's 22 Pond Street, right in Norwell, Mass., right on Route 123, uh, right across from the Big Y, uh, and also Porsche and Audi of Noel are all right together. Uh, in fact, that corner was a Mercedes dealership for people that go way back, right? It certainly was. It was Mercedes, it was Subaru, it was Volvo, it was Lexus. This is a very popular building. <laughs> yeah, it, cer- it certainly is. And the event's going to be 10 to 2 today, and uh, there is going to be, uh, I don't know, what, $40 million worth of cars yeah. parked there? Uh, it'll be forty to fifty million dollars easy worth of cash here. Yeah, well, not not often you get to see something like that, and with everything that's going on in the world, why why not go down? Why not go down to uh, to uh, uh, your dealership? And I'm sure anybody who walks by says, "Get a got to put a smile on their face." Absolutely, will do. Thank you very much, All right. Claire and Boston. Everybody have a great day. All right, take care, Danny. Bye bye. That was Danny DeSantis, the owner of uh, Boston McLaren, which is actually in Norwell. Uh, it is a, uh, they have some very interesting cars there besides McLaren's. Uh, they have, uh, last time I went by there, there was a Ferrari there. And I think, and I don't know this to be 100% true anymore, one of their technicians is a graduate of South Shore Votech in Hanover. So uh, pretty, pretty uh 
pretty interesting stuff going down there in in the little town of Norwell. And again, where where how often can you go see? millions and millions of dollars worth of cars all in one spot and mclarens are a pretty interesting car as it is um for a short time i knew the president of mclaren uh he actually lives in connecticut now and uh, uh a good good guy and he is uh you know we were talking about some of the cars and i think it was two years ago at the new england motor press ragtop ramble uh mclaren came out to our event and I had the pleasure of driving a McLaren up to Maine uh, with the, uh, happened to be the McLaren salesperson, not salesperson, PR person, was in the car. And uh, normally we prefer not to have the person with the vehicle. But in this case, just getting in and out of it was a little bit of a trick. So kind of kind of, kind of good to uh, uh, spend some time in a car that I'll never be able to afford if I sell everything I own and then some. There was an article, and a couple people let me know about this. There was an article in the Boston Globe that says, who are we based on what we drive? And it says, technically, they're just vehicles meant to transport humans in their cargo from point A to B, but we all know a car is more than just a car. Not everybody believes that. It's an expression of who we are, of our aspirations and wants, and I guess if you own a McLaren, you know. As a fact demonstrated uh, by a rusty old Dodge Caravan sputtering along Route 128 with a bumper stick of the red, my car is a status symbol, a symbol of me being poor. That's what it says. Um, Is there something even larger to be learned from our vehicle choices? Collectively, do they reveal patterns and a little something about the places we live? It turns out they do. The Globe analyzed data provided by the uh, mass RMV of 4.6 million private cars and trucks registered in the state. What stands out? Jeep Wranglers in Nantucket and all over Cape Cod, by the way. Mercedes in Weston. Boston is chock full of Honda Accords and Toyota Camrys but also has a few Ferraris and a Plymouth Valiant. Um, for a glimpse of uh, what it what it might mean, let's start with the Berkshires, where there are essentially two types of towns, Subaru towns and Chevrolet Silverado towns. The, the Silverado Chevrolet's full-size pickup truck, when nothing uh, than the most dependable will do, rules in the eastern half of the country, uh, county rather, with a lock on the entire northeast corner. In the top Vehicle in Adams, Cheshire, Clarksburg, Florida, Hinsdale, Lanesboro, Lee, Otis, Peru, Sheffield, Wilmington, and Windsor. In the southern end of the county, Subaru is uh, the king for cutting through the snow and getting a really good cup of coffee, a little editorial thing I think they added in there. Um, The all-wheel drive Forester is the top vehicle in 20 towns in Massachusetts. Not a big surprise. Subaru sells a lot of cars here. Uh, And nine of them are in the Berkshires, uh, Great Barrington, Lennox, Beckett, Egremont, uh, Monterey, Mount Washington, New Marlboro, Stockbridge, West Stockbridge. Some of those towns I bet you didn't even know existed. There were some small towns out in the Berkshires with full town, you know, a sheriff, a sheriff, yeah, a police chief, a mayor, and there might only be eight or 900 people that live in the town. Uh, Subaru Outback is tops in uh, Richmond, uh, Sandusfield, and uh, Williamstown. Let's see what else we have here. Politically, the Berkshire is a solid, uh, solidly blue, but in the past presidential election, Donald Trump generally fared much better in towns where Silverados uh, were the top choice. Moving on, when looking at one place in the state 
that is the most in love with a particular model vehicle, disregarding tiny towns where there are fewer than 100 vehicles. A clear winner is Nantucket, where 11.4% of all registered vehicles are a Jeep Wrangler, a classic symbol of summer. Uh, like Nantucket itself, 1,597 Wranglers on the island have big tires that are perfect for driving on beaches. Big tires aren't really meant for driving on beaches. And wide bumpers that are great for uh, for holding many years of oversand vehicle permits. So as not to be confused with those renters with the axe stickers. Lawrence is uh, close by with dependability. Honda Accord counts for nearly... 10% of the registered vehicles. The Accord is also a top car in Boston. There are about 11,000 in the city, followed by the Camry. Well, number one and number two sales in the country, so that makes sense. Rounding out the top 10 a Corolla, Honda Civic, Toyota RAV4, Honda CRV, Nissan Altima, Toyota Highlander, Nissan Rogue, Subaru Forester. And it says, interesting, Revere and Boston have been the same top seven cars. Um, Toyota and Honda are the two top markets in the city by a significant amount. Again, why not? Uh, whereas the Plymouth is on its dying days. There are just 55 left in the city, including two Valiants. But they still outnumber the 35 registered Ferraris in the city. Uh, when it comes uh, to love for a particular manufacturer, uh, Lawrence, again, is top for Hondas, which make up more than 30% of all vehicles. On the outer cape, there's a deep love for Toyota with Wellfleet, Eastham, uh, Eastham, and Orleans coming in second and third. And fourth for Allegiance to the manufacturer. Toyota makes up a quarter of all the cars on the Cape Towns. Statewide, Toyota is the number one make, according to 17.7% of all cars, followed by Honda, Ford, About time you see some American car companies in here. Ford, Chevrolet, Nissan, Jeep, Subaru. Is is Jeep American? It's owned by Fiat. I guess it is. Um, The Camry is top-selling car in 112 cities and towns. The Silverado in 70. So, of course, Chevrolet. Um, Accord leading in 43. CRV in 28. The Toyota Tacoma, the midsize pickup, is a favorite of outdoorsy types, leading in 19 with a strong presence on both Cape Cod and Cape Man. That's interesting because uh, as popular as the Tacoma is, it's nowhere near as popular as uh, some of the other trucks. Uh, Toyota Prius is tops in nine towns, including Amherst, uh, Northampton, and Lincoln, but not Cambridge, where it's fourth. And let's talk about luxury, according to the article here. In Weston, the richest town in the state, loves its Mercedes-Benz with the uh, gourmet German manufacturer responsible for nearly 10% of all the registered vehicle owners in town. Tops in the state, Linfield, Dover, Wellesley also love their Mercedes, accounts for about 7% of all the cars. Weston also led its way for BMWs. BMWs accounted for close to 9% of all the vehicles, followed by Dover, Wellesley, Sudbury, and Manchester-by-the-Sea. Not every car in Weston screams Weston. The two most popular models in town are the Honda CRV, Jeep Wrangler, and BMW X5, uh, probably because it's uh, the maid's car or something. Um, Carlisle, Concord, uh, Sherburne, Brookline, Lexington, and Wayland towns uh, that are also the top 20 richest per capita. And uh, what about the future? Well, it appears to involve compact SUVs, according to data from Massachusetts State Auto Dealers Association. Toyota RAV4 was the best-selling model in a landslide. 
for the first four months of the year. Bay State has purchased about 5,500 RAVs in April, followed by its um, fellow compact SUV, the CRV, and the Nissan Rogue. But coming in fourth was a very odd, old, and familiar, the F-Series truck, which makes a whole bunch of sense. So that gives you a little bit of a profile about what the uh, what people are buying in Massachusetts. I know I kind of rattled them off fast, but I think you can find it on boston.com as well or bostonglobe.com. One of the other, it was a couple days ago, and again, I, I got a... Uh, I, I got a message from one of our listeners. I got a me- an email from one of my readers, and they thought I'd find it interesting, and it was. So what's going on with the Volkswagen Beetle? Well, if you want one, you better buy it next year because that's going to be the end. The up-and-down saga of the Volkswagen Beetle finally has a conclusion, they're saying. The 2019 Volkswagen Beetle Final Edition is what they're calling it. The automaker announced this just uh, two days ago, and signals and End to the line of the iconic coupe and Volkswagen's second uh, convertible's uh, second reboot, or third, depending on what you call it. Uh, production of the Beetle will end in July at Volkswagen's uh, Pueblo, Mexico assembly plant. So that is the end of the Volkswagen Beetle. But I heard the one of the reasons is there may be, they're not going to do away with convertibles, they may be coming out with a Jetta-based convertible, so essentially about the same size um, car. It's going to be a, a Volkswagen Jetta, which a lot of people like that car. So envision a two-door Jetta with a folding roof that's still a cloth roof, not to be confused with the EOS, which they don't make anymore. So something that could take the place sort of a, as both and be able to work out. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Why don't we take a call? Let's talk to John. Good morning, John. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I have a question. Uh, I need to put uh, oil into a friend's car. It's about a quart low. It's a 99 Saab Turbo uh, 9.3. Mm-hmm. So the owner's manual says 10.30 or 10.40. I don't know what's in there now. Is there any any problem with mixing synthetic with no. conventional or no? Because because synthetic oil is made from conventional base stock. It's just squished down and processed so all the molecules are the same size. So that's really what sort of makes synthetic oil special. Um, if you put 1030 in a car that's got 1040 it's not and especially only a quart it's not going to make any difference if you if you put uh 1040 in a car that's got 1030 in it it might you know all of a sudden now you might have 1031 or something but it's not going to make any difference um if you said to me the car is down about two and a half quarts of oil and i have uh i have three quarts of oil that are i don't pick something castrol and i have no idea what's in there I would tell you to just change the oil on it instead because sometimes, in a very rare occasion, when you do sort of a 50-50 mix, sometimes the additives don't always agree with each other It's because all oil has additives in it. But just adding a quart, you could add a quart of pretty much anything to the car, and it's not really going to make a difference. Okay. Okay? No. All right. Thanks, Tom. All right, take care. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Well, you just bought a new car, 
And uh, what do you think the biggest expense of owning it? Is it the gasoline? No. It's the depreciation. On average, new cars depreciate about $3,000 a year. Uh, In the AAA annual Your Driving Cost study, we found the average cost to own and operate a new vehicle in 2018 is $8,849. The average cost. That's for a new car or just under $0.59 a mile for vehicles averaging 15,000 miles of annual driving. Well, fuel, maintenance, repairs, and insurance get the most attention, the largest expense associated with buying a new car is something many drivers fail to even consider, and that's depreciation. So if you're thinking about buying a new car and you don't keep it for that long, you know, if you keep it for 15 years, pretty much anything's going to depreciate. But maybe you want to look at what a similar car, so, you know, back up a couple years with the model and see how much that depreciated over the couple years, how old it is. Um, I know somebody who went out and bought a uh, high-performance Volkswagen, and they did it because that's a car that tends to hold its value more, even though you pay more for it. So his thought behind it was, when I go to trade it in in four or five years, it'll be worth closer to what I paid for it. We'll have to wait and see how that works out. I'm not Personally, I'm not so sure. Um, of course, I, I remember doing, this was years and years ago, the financial investment guy, Jonathan Pond. Jonathan Pond, who who gives financial advice all over the place. In fact, um, he's doing one of the men's clubs I was just at. I think it was Arlington, maybe, um, and gave a little talk. He was a guest speaker coming in, I think it's for September. And I kind of wanted to go up there and see him because he, he offers some pretty good advice. But we were doing a talk show together, and he was talking about what he does. And he buys a one-year-old Toyota Corolla. That's his car. Because he's, not a, he's not, not a car guy. He's a money guy. And he said, they last a really long time. I let somebody else take all the depreciation out of the car the first year, and then I have a good quality car afterwards. But buyers often only give priority to the purchase price and monthly payment. And that's, that's, the, you know, that's something that happens a lot of times, too, is you go into a car dealership, and they're like, how much do you want to pay per month? I want to know how much the car costs because the how much you want to pay for, per month can be a pretty wide open question. By the way, at in uh, at Danny Danny DeSantis's McLaren dealership, most of those cars people pay cash for them. So three hundred, four hundred, a million, two million, they they don't they don't go finance. They they pay cash, which is sort of interesting. Um, the secret of minimizing depreciation cost. Uh, Keep your car for a long time and keep it well-maintained and even consider buying a quality pre-owned vehicle. Who said that? I did. This is what it says in the news release here. The annual driving cost uh, study looked at 45 top-selling 2018 model year vehicles across nine categories. And uh, some of the annual costs, a small sedan, $6,600. Hybrids, $7,400. Hey, it's... uh, it's turn. Can you turn on? Can you turn on microphone two there, Keith? John Costello, grab that microphone. That one over there. That one over there. I think it's that one. Hi. Think, hey, what Hi. are you doing here? Um, I'm uh, heading out to South Boston for a live remote. Are you? Yes. When's that going to be? 
Uh, over on uh, West Broadway and like all the letter streets and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. So B C D. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really yeah, where I used to live. Yeah, really. You're yeah, South Boston. I used to live. I used to live on D Street there. Oh, all right. Yeah, excellent. Uh-huh. Charlie on the MTA. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. growing and, up and on then, D Street. And then, yeah. up on yeah. D Street. So, blah, blah, blah. so, so the uh, so the Irish Street Parade is going to be. Uh, yeah. So that's probably around one o'clock. No, uh, I'm going to be going on live around eleven. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Paul, Professor Paul will, will be here, yeah. and then I'll like uh, kind of cross over with Marvelous yeah. Matt as well. So, so uh, I don't so, even know what my role is. Do you, do you know where you're going to be? I got t-shirts. You, can do you know where you're going to be? N- uh, no, no. <laughs> I think around I Street. Somebody right. told me. All right. So you, you're we're just, going out to our great sponsor, the City of Boston Credit. Oh, okay. Well, you, you didn't say that. Because well, it's of Boston Credit. This kind of fell on my lap. All right, like two days ago. Yeah. So yeah, nobody knows about it except for me. And, and, and now Paul and, will know, like when I say, "Paul, yeah. can I come on, Paul? Yeah, Paul, and, can I come on?" So, so good thing, good stuff for the Irish Hit Parade. And also, oh, I went to uh, Bates and Weymouth this yes. Wednesday night. Yeah, that was pretty and, awesome uh, to see you. And uh, uh, a great little restaurant in the landing. And who was behind the bar? Who you? Oh, you I the bar. Yeah, it's a great spot. It's only open for seven months, and uh, it's still. I was talking to somebody last night as I was behind the bar as well, and they were asking for music and trivia. And it, it's a baby. It's only. It's an infant yeah. still. It's only yeah. seven months old. So it's you know baby steps, and they're fine tuning some things. And so yeah, it's 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 a great spot. It's really truly turned into a a nice neighborhood spot, but with the fantastic menu. Like yeah, it's, it's a it's a good. I mean, we just had appetizer. It was great. I put a little review on TripAdvisor. Uh, oh, it's a good place. Man, it's a good place, yeah. All right. All right. Well, we love you. And I'll be listening to you. All right. Okay. All right. I got to okay. go. You can Anything go now. else? No. Can I be no, dismissed, gonna... please? Huh? Uh, can I be dismissed? Because I don't even know where I'm going. Well, the, the key, the, the two trucks out there. Take <laughs> I know. Yeah. Way clear across the pocket. I know. I know. All, All right. right. See okay. you later. Bye-bye. Awesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Our buddy Johnny Costello, who's uh, here on Sundays with the Feast of Irish Music. What? Real quick. What? Can I talk about the BMW that you drove? Okay, the, the BMW that's parked outside. Yes. My son has a sport edition uh, Jeff Gordon Dodge 200M. 300M. 300, no, here's a 200, 200. 200. All right. The body's very, very similar. The Mercedes wouldn't like to hear that. I mean, BMW wouldn't want to hear I that. I know, but I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, Do you know which bodies I'm talking about? The 300M is a bigger one. Yeah. The 200M, 200... the Jeff Gordon model. I don't think I've ever seen a 200M. Yeah, I know it's a. It's definitely not a 300. Yeah. 300's bigger. It's yeah, got like a boxy big. Yeah, look at it. Yeah, 300's big. No, this little. looks just li- yeah. Well, not just like that, but uh, very similar. I'm going to have to look it up. But the price tag is a lot different. A lot different, yeah. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about that car next week. But, oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about both those cars next week. Off goes Johnny Costello, uh, who does the Feast of Irish Music uh, just before Seamus on Sundays, fills in here on Saturdays, and he's going to be at the uh, City of Boston Credit Union today. Um, special. Special. Just found out about it. So if you want to be involved in that type of stuff, if you like the Irish programming, maybe this program here, uh, the answer with Joe Agati and... You're looking for a job. Salem Media Group is uh, growing. They're looking for folks to start work here uh, to sell to advertisers some of the programs you listen to, like this one, Um, the Irish Hit Parade, 
all kinds of stuff. So they're looking for people. Um, it's a fun, you know, everybody, everybody I talk to on Saturdays, they're all fun people. I don't come here during the week, but, uh, but Pat Ryan's, Pat Ryan's great. Carol's great. Um, those are the people I deal with on a regular basis. Uh, so always fun. Of course, Matt, the operations guy always takes care of us when we need stuff. So if you'd like to work here and have to deal with the likes of Johnny Costello and me and, uh, and you know, and, and there's you know professionals like Seamus and Matt and Paul, um, but you know there's goofballs like me and Johnny Costello. Um, you know, email uh, Pat Ryan. It's Pat R at SalemBoston dot com, and uh, you know maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a place for you here. It could be fun, especially my wife could work here. She's looking for a job. Everyone can work here. That's right. That's right. Hey, why don't we take a break? It's about 9 o'clock. You're listening to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or 100.3 FM. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Well, the other day I went out my way. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and the Lincolns was set in the pace? That story is true. I'm here to say I was driving that Model A. It's got a Lincoln motor and it's really souped up that Model A. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Phone number 617 Phone lines are open if you want to join us. Speaking of hot rod Lincolns, sort of in the same company, Ford is going to end ads for its sedans. Its Ford car uh, sedan, you know, they're going to they're going to stop selling sedans. The automaker has ended all nationwide marketing of the Fiesta, the Focus, the Fusion, and Taurus, and also dialing back on regional spending in certain markets. Even though the Fusion will remain in showrooms for at least the next two years, uh, Ford's vice president of U.S. Sales and Marketing and Service said the automaker plans to redeploy the money on vehicles such as the Mustang. Echo Sport, and a slew of next-generation utilities coming by the end of the decade. Well, the next-generation utilities aren't here yet, so I kind of wonder about that. Uh, Ford Toyota business prompts a flex and gate expansion. The flex and gate is doubling the size of its plastic plants in in Illinois to nearly 100,000, and so they're going to be the people that supply the upper and lower grills for Ford and Toyota. And... uh, Speaking of Toyota, Toyota and Geely, they're in talks about hybrid cooperation. Uh, they said uh, they're going to talk. The Toyota's going to talk to the Chinese company in its gas electric hybrid technology, uh, but nothing has been decided. A person familiar with the situation told Reuters the talks apparently involve a Chinese supplier of electric battery technology, as both companies have already been associated. Uh, but. They've been working with them, but they've been working separately, and maybe there's some ec- uh, economies of scale working together. And if you are living outside of our broadcast area and you're listening online and you've heard some conversation about the Chevrolet Bolt with a B, not Volt with a V, uh, General Motors plans to expand the via- availability of the Chevrolet Bolt to new markets, said uh, 
Pam Fletcher, Vice President of the Automakers Global Electric Vehicle Programs. Um, so, more bolts to be around. Speaking of which, battery investment GM is investing $2 billion. No, I'm sorry, $28 billion. No, I don't even have that right. $28 million. I had to count a lot of zeros. There's a lot of zeros here. Um, to make additional major enhancements uh, beginning this fall in battery development and testing uh, at its global tech center in Warren, Michigan. I've been to that tech center. It's a pretty interesting place. Uh, that's where I got to see uh, they're still working on hydrogen cars, so I got to see their hydrogen fuel cell. And then I got to see then I got to see um, something I wasn't supposed to see. I'm pretty sure I saw the engine for this new mid-engine Corvette. It was just it was sort of sitting in the corner. Um, nothing like it is being made anywhere, or it's not in any car that GM owns right now. And there, and there it was sitting over in the corner. With uh, and I kind of wonder if they did it on purpose because it was like half uncovered, just enough to make you make you interested in what was going on with it. But uh, it, uh, I kind of wanted to try to get a picture of it. And I, but I talked to one of the other guys I was with, and I said, "Hey, come here." Comes over and he goes, four cam overhead, small block looking Chevy engine." I said, "What do you think that's going?" And both of us said, "Mid engine Corvette." So. I mean, there's there, the mid-engine Corvette is uh, being, it's, I, I swear GM is releasing the spy photos, even though they are from a spy photo company. But spy photographers have again captured the mid-engine C8 Corvette during testing, this time in Germany. The photos provide the best view of the car. It's um, It looks like a Corvette with the um, cabin moved forward. So shorter hood um, almost has a, Big NSX sort of look to it. Previous photos show the cab forward design, but now the huge side air scoops are also visible. Uh, also visible new vents to the front to cool the oil or transmission fluid. In the back, there appears to be heat extractors on the flanks, quad exhausts at the corners, or strain-looking rear, rear wing. The wing actually looks almost too restrained. General Motors has not confirmed plans for the mid-engine Corvette, but why are they making copies of them like this so i'm pretty sure there'll be a mid-engine corvette in the not too distant future ford has talked about some sort of mustang and said ford has uh, teased up the upcoming mustang inspired battery electric crossover uh through a sketch of the back of the vehicle which kind of looks like a mustang the teaser image first shared with forbes uh, features a dark silhouette marked with a mustang signature three bar headlights the roof is higher than the standard uh, mustang ford has said the vehicle which will have a range of about 300 miles will uh, come out in 2020 details of the vehicle have been sparse uh it was originally thought to call it the mark one which sounds stupid um Production will be originally slated for uh, Flat Rock, Michigan, but Ford will uh, this year decide instead to build the vehicles in Mexico. I wonder if they're going to change their mind soon. Who knows? 617-770-3030-617-770-3030. Let's uh, take a call. All right. Hey, good morning. How are you? Hi. Call doctor? Yes, sir. 
Yeah, Mike calling. Hey, just a quick one. I want to follow up on your uh, depreciation of cars. Yep. I've just been through that very recently, and it's it's really a great deal. But I want to just pass on my information is that it took me three to four months to find the right car. I mean, a lot of research goes into look, looking at a uh, at a pre-owned car. Uh, you know, using car gurus and cars dot com. And, you know, looking at a pre-ride range of 100 miles away. But at the end, I ended up buying a car from right up the street from me from a local dealer. 30% off of list. The car was first registered in January of this year. I bought it in June. I got it for 30% off of the list price of the car. And the amazing thing is in some of these cars, the warranties are better on a used car. Yeah. It, because they warranted all the way through. This thing has a bumper-to-bumper warranty through 2022. Right, so it's and, unbelievable. Yeah, and and you know it can be a luxury car or it can be not a luxury car. And sometimes what happens when they're certified pre-owned and certified pre-owned, um, that terminology means almost nothing sometimes because because some dealers claim to certify their own cars, which doesn't mean a lot. Sometimes it's just a matter of hanging a tag in the window that says certified pre-owned but other times it really does mean they're looking at the better cars that they have and they might offer a you know six year hundred thousand mile bumper to bumper warranty which is which could be as good as the car was when it was new and certainly better than some new cars that are out there now so you're right you can do that and you can you can save some money i was talking to somebody who bought a very high-end car uh, and they said Oh yeah, it was about sixty thousand dollars off list price. I'm like, geez, you know, and it was uh, two yeah. years old and came with a warranty. Yeah, I got thirty thousand off of mine, yeah. uh, off of the list price. Yeah. But and again, I mean, there was an article recently on the on the cars, and they a couple like the Hyundai uh, was number one, and I forget who was number two, but Lexus was number three. I ended up buying a Lexus. Yeah. But they really spend, and this is the second one I bought to them like this. And it's just been, uh, and they really stand up on the warranties. Uh, they, they, they make sure they do. So, hmm. again, but the main thing I want to say is research. You've know, you got to really look at the car faxes, look at them. Uh, and, and, uh, and I'm a car guy. I talk to you quite a bit. Yep. You've got to be able, you got to really spend your homework on doing it. But it pays off in the long run. It really does. And, and these sites, like you said, car gurus, car dots, uh, cars.com, IC Cars, they all have some great tools. In fact, um, IC Cars, and we're going to be talking to Julie uh, next week, uh, they have this uh, this uh, new little thing called a VIN decoder where you can walk up to a car that you're considering buying. You take a, If you have a smartphone, you take a picture of the barcode uh, for the vehicle identification number. Right. It can let you know where the recall is updated. What it it picks it picks the car out. It shows what other cars are available in the area, and it really lets you do some price comparison based right on the car that you're looking at right at that very minute. So there there are some great tools out there to make it a little bit easier. Unfortunately, not everyone is like you, and they go by and they're like, "I like the red one," and that's yeah. where that's where they make the mistake sometimes. Homework like usual. Thank you very much. All right. Always a great show. All right. Take care, Michael. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Keith, do we have another call? Uh, uh, Yes. Oh. 
Here I am. Hi. Uh, yes, Rick from Boston. All right, we haven't talked to Rick in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, didn't, yeah. I guess you did. I guess you didn't talk to him uh, last week, so no, you didn't no. have ice so, cream last yeah, week. Yeah, there we go. Okay, let's get Rick on the phone here. Rick, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Hey, I finally got your letter. Oh, good. Yeah, I know. Uh, actually, what happened was that the other week, um, I walked in and just turned the radio on because I was busy doing something and just cut the very start of it. So my wife and I were able to hear you, hear you go through the letter, Ned, and I appreciate what you said. And uh, I was going to call you last week, but my kids uh, shanghai me for my birthday. and so Oh, well, happy birthday. What are you, what are you 59 again? No, you can add 11 to that. All right. <laughs> and that, um, what I was going to you know, comment on is that uh, the other week I was over in Brain, uh, yeah, Braintree uh, at dusk. And I, I'm waiting at an intersection. I see this one car coming down the road. And then the cars behind it came over the crest, and they had the lights on, and it totally hid the, the car that was driving without its lights on. And I would not have been able to see it because of the other lights hmm. in that. And so, um, which Chris, I had this situation because you look down. Oh, those it's that far enough way I can pull out. Yeah. And they're, they're, the lights are hiding the car in front of them because they don't have the lights on. Well, that's why. That's why. Like Canada has daytime running lights, so lights that are on all the time. Uh, just okay. just to make cars that much more visible, whether it's in the daytime, or dusk, or at nighttime. Yeah, and that. Yeah, one and, of the other. Know. Although one of the problems I'll say with daytime running lights is, if they're the style, you know, sometimes you, people think of them and they have them on all the time, and if they're not automatic headlights, which some cars aren't, um, you drive around and you're you're only driving around with the daytime running lights on, and your taillights aren't on, so. Uh, and you, you, and the daytime running lights are making enough light where you think, oh, my lights must be on. And then you look down at the dash and you just go, oh, the dash lights aren't on. Oh, I haven't turned the headlights on yet. So, um, you know, we try to make improvements sometimes, and sometimes we stumble around with it every once in a while. So. Oh yeah. And that, you know, like my motorcycle has always had the headlights right. on. Right. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, uh, that, that is, uh, all that's been the case for as long as I can remember. So. So well, you, I, go, I go back a little farther, and no, it wasn't always the case. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to think back. The oldest motorcycle I had was in the '70s, and I don't. Well, I guess it was a. I guess it was an on-off and high beam switch. So yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Rick, always so, a pleasure. Okay. Well, thank you for, for what you, your comments on the All right. Letter. All right. Sure thing. Right. Happy care. birthday, Rick. All right. Um, speaking of Rick's comments from last week and the. Um, Ford Driving Skills for Life program that is supposed to be taking place today and tomorrow up in North Andover. The plan is it's still going to happen tomorrow, uh, but they, due to everything that's the tragedy that's going on up in Lawrence uh, and uh, Andover and over North Andover, uh, they are they have canceled the event for today. So if you were signed up for Driving Skills for Life um, for today. Uh, Check with check your email and check the website and find out what's going on. They are going to try to do it tomorrow, but they just figure there's too much, way too much going on. And although they're way up in North Andover, uh, kind of way at the edge of town, still they decided uh, for safety purposes not to bring extra people up there. So 
if you were going to driving skills for life today, you're not is the bottom line. So I think we have Paul on the phone, our buddy Paul from Braintree. Paul, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Let me turn the radio on. You, yeah, you know, when, yeah. you, when you're on hold, I, you can hear the caller, but you can't hear you. So I don't ah, know. well, you know, we got, we're got we halfway there now. Well, that's true. You yeah. know, I mean, before the before you couldn't hear anybody. Then you'll be so, fine. Yeah. It's just, the, it must, uh, just, must just be another button we haven't pushed yet. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. You know, it looks easier than it is. But well, you, you, yeah. get, you, get, you get some knowledge in that. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. We're getting a little rusty. Maybe I should dust it off. There's a Pat. Hey, there you Pat R. at SalemBoston.com. Okay. <laughs> and you can get a job here. You can get a job What's here. that? I'm sorry. <laughs> and you can get a job here. Yeah. Oh, great. I, yeah. could, I could use it. The uh, reason I called, I, I think I sent you uh, forwarded you something about a 55 Packard Caribbean that was uh, being auctioned off. The thing was absolutely beautiful. Mm. Uh, 1955. And um, uh, the reason for my call, is there anybody out there who um, has a history of, of car designs or uh, any of the manufacturers have uh, car designers who are willing to speak? You know, last, last week, you I think you were talking about the, the new Cadillacs, um, which are my opinion, design, design deficient. I think the uh, when you look at one of the standard Cadillac sedan is, and who knows what the model yeah. numbers stand for, I have been down that road before. And then you look at, oh, the, the new Chevrolet Impala. I think that's a far better looking car than any of the current Cadillacs. I mean, uh, Cadillacs used to be you know kind of leader in, in style and design, and right now they, in at least my humble opinion, they're not worth the money just on design mm. alone. Um, so I don't know if there's anybody. I'm well, sure the Cadillac kind of, probably wouldn't send anybody out saying yeah. we design ugly cars. But no, well, I, it's kind of funny. I was I was at the Dedham Retired Men's Club yesterday. There they meet at the Endicott Estate, and uh, we we got talking about that. And I said I had the pleasure once of sitting down with. Um, with the folks from GM and and it was Bob it was Bob Lutz at the time, and I said, "What's the future for General Motors?" And and he said, among other things, he said, "I don't think Saturn has a life. Probably not Pontiac. I think Oldsmobile was already gone by then." He said, "There's too much competition within Pontiac and Chevrolet to bother having Pontiac around." And you know, Pontiac's such a great name. I, I was disappointed to hear that, but I, he said, "You know, my plan is." to raise Buick to the level of Lexus and then move Cadillac to the standard of the world that everybody knew Cadillac for. I mean, you know, there. I don't care whether it was, you know, somebody joking around going, you know, you have a, um, you know, you have a, a Chevrolet wallet and, a, and a, you know, Cadillac dreams kind of thing or, or whatever the case is, you know, Cadillac truly was at one point the standard of the world. It was, it was a car that, you know, people looked at and admired all around the world, and now I I, I look at the new Cadillacs and go, you know, I, I'm not sure what they're doing. And Buick, I think, was actually for a while was actually headed in that direction of maybe being competitive with Lexus, but now with their their they don't have much to choose from for sedans and like everybody else they're focusing on suvs and you know those on the inside will tell you if uh buick stops selling in china 
they'll probably go out of business. Yeah, because uh, China's the China is hot and cold sometimes, but uh, China for the longest time was the biggest market for Buicks. So, uh, and you know, half of what they have, I don't of the uh, of the three Buick SUVs, I'm not sure any of them made here. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they're, they're, uh, I think on style they're, they're better looking yeah, than the Cadets. Yeah. But I don't know if they have the quality of a Lexus, and that was what. Uh, Bob Lutz said was, I want to try to change both the style, the quality, you know, the not just the style, the style, the fit and finish. So when you look at, and he was he was citing an example of, you know, here's a, here's a new Buick. And you open up the doors and it looks pretty good. You open up the trunk and you can see where they only brought the uh, the trunk carpet part way down and then it's metal after that or it's insulation after that or you look under the edge of the seat and they didn't wrap the material all the way around the seat and then you look at a car like a mercedes or a lexus or something like that and you can see how they they put a little bit more time into finishing up all the edges and he says that's what i want to see and he said i also want to see reliability that you, you know, that you have a Buick that's going to run reliable. It's not going to rattle. It's not going to shake once it gets 50,000 miles on it. And then it's not going to start to burn oil at 100,000 miles. And Is what still there? No. 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 no he's building goofy cars now. He's, uh, he's um, yeah, you, you have to remember, he, he was a guy who sort of ran Chrysler, you know, saved Chrysler. A lot of people will say he saved Chrysler. And then he uh, left Chrysler. He went to the Exide Battery Company. I think he might have got fired. Um, he wrote a book called The Customer Isn't Always Right, which could be some truth to that. And then he was the chairman of General Motors for a while, and then he left. And the last I knew, he was building some sort of electric hybrid pickup truck on his own. But um, when I did have the opportunity to talk with him, we just sort of chit-chatting a little bit. And, I, and you know, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you talk about? with a billionaire you know there's only so much so it's sort of like you know what's your first memory of a car and his father was a swiss banker and he's like i remember being in the arms of my nanny and we were looking out the window when my father brought a new cadillac home and he was in switzerland at the time and i said oh yeah it's, i remember just the same thing i think it was a rambler yeah, though. Me too. and there wasn't exactly. and there wasn't a nanny and uh and the uh, and then i said what do you do for hobbies and he uh, has a home um, up in Michigan somewhere, and he uh, he keeps his uh, he keeps his uh, Chinese MIG uh, at the local airport. And he goes out and uh, and flies around in his Chinese MIG. Oh, nice! Oh, yeah, nice, I, right? I don't I don't do that either. But but yeah, he did no, he, he did, did, he, he, did, did he, paint, he did repaint the MIG with uh, with um, you know U.S. flags and stuff on it because he didn't want that, to get that shut would down. That probably help. Yeah. You know, it yeah. Could, <laughs> yeah. It could cause some problems in yeah. certain areas. Yeah. yeah the, uh, uh, well, and it's kind of it's kind of funny how, and the same same sort of thing. I I was sitting with the uh, same kind of a, a weird event, and I see this guy sort of sitting by himself, and he was the president of Jaguar. And my wife was with me. It was at an event in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, and where I got to drive uh, a, a Jaguar XJ220, which was a which was kind of an odd car it was a six-cylinder when nobody had six-cylinder cars the thing would do 200 miles an hour and i i didn't but um it was uh so i see this and i said oh hey uh uh and he introduced himself hi i'm the president of jaguar and i kind of did the same thing oh what do you do for 
you know, when you're not being president of Jaguar, and he said, I race vintage World War II airplanes around the desert in Nevada. Again, something I don't do. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, which yeah. is, which is why. Um, Danny's which is, which is you do better than anybody else. So that's <laughs> you know, which is which is why I joked with Danny DeSantis a little bit about um, about does he still spend his money on very fast boats? And uh, because I know he has he uh, he's an offshore boat racer, and I guess there is there is no better way to spend money than to uh, uh, go 170 miles an hour in a in a big boat burning through gas, racing with other people going 170 miles an hour. So. The um, yeah, I think one of the, if I can tie tie it back to broadcasting a little bit and car designs. Uh, let me have the and, and presentation accepted. Uh, part of the problem is that the you know uh, the financial people often rather than the programming people or the designing people run the operation. Uh, I saw that a lot in in radio. Yeah, uh, the the time salesman would become the general managers, mm-hmm. and uh, would become bean counters, and they had no idea about programming, and it often it showed. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the same thing in automobile manufacturing well, I, with, is with bean autom- counters. With automobiles, and I used, to, I used to joke, sort of, and I was told I was probably more right than wrong, that GM had more lawyers than engineers. And the way they're going, they could have more lawyers than people buying their cars. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, based on that, and you know, right now, and I, I mentioned it last week, you know, cars are sort of designed in wind tunnels. That's why they all sort of have similar shapes because they're all trying to maximize fuel economy, and that's kind of the reason reason behind it. Where you know, and and the other thing is, where are the great names? Why isn't why isn't there a Ford Caribbean or Caribbean or something? Yeah. You know, there, you know there were there were great names to cars. Um, Skyliner, Coupe de Ville, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and even you know, in the, even in the seventies and eighties, when you know, when Chevrolet named every car after a beach in Southern California, uh, yeah, with uh, you know, with Malibu, and they kind of went on and on for a while. Um, but you know, just the idea, you know, the idea of having a car that's a uh, you know an S ninety or a you know, XLT or a, it, it, you know, and I think cars have personality and names like that do, do not give their cars personality. And I think that, I think that's a mistake. And whether it's, you know, you kind of look at Volkswagen, it, you know, with, with rabbits and beetles and, you know, go name them after animals. It's fine. You know, because it, again, it kind of gives the car a little bit of personality, you know, um, I'm looking out the window of the radio station here, and there's a, I mean, there are cars with names. There's a Camry and a, a Honda CRV and a Toyota RAV4 and a Honda Pilot. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, but they all, if if you, if you kind of looked at them, they're, three of them are all, they're all a box on top of a box, and the Camry is a, a box on top of two boxes. There's no real, there's no real style to those cars. Uh, they're functional, absolutely, and they're they're pretty dependable. And I guess it's sort of, in one way, sort of sad that of the four cars that I can see out the window here, um, there's not a Ford, there's not a Ford or a Chevy or a Chrysler in the group. So you wonder, you know, somewhere long before after me, vintage cars, you know, of this era, will any of them become vintage cars? I can't imagine. I just went online and looked at vintage cars. 
I can't imagine that uh, someone's going to say the, you know, 50 years from now, the 2018 Cadillac is going to be wanted as a vintage car. Yeah, on the other hand, you know, if you look back and say, who would ever think a Model T would be a vintage car? You know, they made a whole bunch of them. Uh, you know, if you if you keep it around long enough, I think so. But you know, if you think of vintage as being twenty five years old, um, whether it's vintage or antique, you look at a, you know, I look at cars now, and and whether it's uh, and for some reason I see it more in Rhode Island than I do in Massachusetts, and I see antique plates on cars that look like a car that you would drive. You know, you see an antique plate on a on a, a Mazda Miata, and go, is that really an antique? Well, technically, I guess, uh, but is that ever going to be a super collect- collectible car like a like a uh, Hudson Terraplane or a uh, yeah. or or you know something like that? I don't think so. But well, Barrett Jackson, I mean, you can take a look at that. I'll let you go. But Barrett Jackson, yeah, when they, um, the, it seems like they're only uh, aiming at the uh, high performance cars, right? Generally, anyway. But yeah. um, well, and, those and will always of, exist. Yeah, sort of, you know, the the old-time car collector thought was buy it with the biggest, most powerful engine because that's going to make it more collectible. And if the roof goes down, the price goes up. So those two things, when you look at, you know, Barrett-Jackson or Meekum or any of those auctions, uh, can make it pretty unique. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I have the opportunity this week, I'm going to... Uh, the Newport Car Museum, they're down in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. And I had uh, Gunther, the uh, the founder, on the show a while back, and he has a pretty extensive car collection, and he has it in a museum, which I guess makes it tax-deductible now or something. So, uh, But uh, I want to see, and I want to talk to him about why he got these cars and why he thinks they're collectible, just for the same reason you were talking about. I hope you can post some of the pictures on your Facebook I'm page. I'm going to try my best. Always great. All right. Take care, Paul. Call us, yep. Thank Bye-bye. you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Lines are open if you would like to join us. This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of weird things. But um, there's a million-plus dollar Bugatti. In fact, I think Danny DeSantis said he was having a Bugatti maybe coming to the his dealership. But this is a full-scale, drivable Bugatti, but it's made out of Legos. It's a life-size model, is more than 1 million pieces, including 2,304 electric motors, 4,032 gear wheels. Legos version of the Chiron weighs in it. It weighs, I think it weighs more than a Bugatti. Thing weighs thirty three hundred pounds. It's about oh, it's about a thousand pounds lighter than the real car. Um, and it isn't quite as fast. The Lego Bugatti uh, make just five and a half horsepower, but it'll go twelve miles an hour. Um, Dennis's son was very much into Legos at one point. Let's see if he can go build one of those. So uh, pretty interesting stuff. So. 617-770-3030, Let's talk to our friends up in Medford. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor Program. Morning, John Paul. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I had a question. I have a couple of Fords, and uh, I haven't changed the spark plugs in them. They're over 100,000 now. They're just getting over 100,000. And I'm thinking, like, you know, uh, years ago, you did them every 10,000 or yep. whatever there. 
So do you just keep running them, or do you think it's advisable to change them now? I mean, they're 10 years old, both vehicles. Here's the problem. Depending on the spark plug, uh, Ford has had some problems with these. Um, uh, some of their spark plugs have a very long thread and uh, or very long end where the threaded part of the spark plug is. And right. I have seen some that have stayed in the engines for a long time break off. Wow. Which makes it pretty ugly when that happens. So normally I would say, you know, you got a Ford with 100,000 miles on it. Uh, for instance, what, what kind of Ford is? Give me one of them. Uh, an E-150 van. Yep. V8. Yeah. 4.6 yes. liter. Yeah, so that, that van... Um, that van can that van can be one of those vans that um, you know pulling the spark plugs out. First off, it's no it's no easy task, um, but there can be there can be uh, that's a spark plug that is one of those plugs that can that can shear off, and you kind of look at that and go and and normally you'd say oh yeah it's, it makes good sense to replace the spark plugs because if you if you looked at sort of when when you're supposed to replace spark plugs, it's probably it's probably in the it's probably in the hundred thousand mile range with with that model Ford. So it's probably it's probably due. Um, let's see when what does Ford say? Let me give me a minute here. Uh, Ford says somewhere to replace the spark plugs. Ford says to replace the spark plugs at magic number is got to be somewhere. They must put spark plugs in these things sometime. <laughs> it did come with spark plugs, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, if you believe this, you would think they last the life of the car because they're they they don't seem to have an actual recommendation. When yeah, I'm looking at the maintenance chart and. Uh, I would have thought a hundred thousand miles. They would have said is a good time to put spark plugs in that. And maybe I'm I'm just looking real quick, so maybe I maybe I overlooked it. But uh, yeah, I'll have to grab the manual and see. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's I I would say both of those vehicles at ten years old, uh, a new set of spark plugs in both of those would be money well spent. But like I said, in in the uh, uh, that engine has been. A little bit problematic sometimes when the plugs stay in there. I know a lot of people that have um, like F one fifties with the same engine in it. They'll go to pull the plug out, and all of a sudden they'll hear a snap. The plug will come out, the insulator will come out, the electrode will come out, but the rest of the plug is jammed in the head. And then and and Ford has come out with a kit to make to try to get all the pieces out. But again, it's just a lot more work. For something that you're trying to do some good, and all of a sudden, you know, as, as a, you know, somebody who owns a shop will tell you, you bring the car in, somebody brings their car in because it's running okay, and you give it back and it doesn't run at all because the spark plug's broken off in it, you know, and it's not the shop owner's fault because it was it was a design that the plug just sort of seized up in in the engine, so. Wow, and see now I have an F one fifty the same year two thousand and eight. Yep. Um. But the only thing is, I only have like about forty thousand miles. Oh, okay. On. I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping yeah. 
track out with his knee yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Go go on go on um <laughs> go on like YouTube or something and put in that engine and and put in broken spark plug and see what you come up with. I think you'll be a little shocked. Yeah, because you're saying that Ford makes an extractor kit or something. Yeah, they, so they have a kit that you can kind of you kind of uh, drill out drill out the pieces, and you can put a you can put like a a helicoil type thing in, so you can put a plug back oh, in. Wow. But all of a sudden, it turns into a lot of work, and you got to make sure you you know get all the pieces out of the because you don't want the metal falling falling in the cylinder. So cylinder, you know, yeah, yeah, you've so you've, major, you've made. Uh, that- you could create a major problem. I mean, uh, as far as that's why now I'm saying to myself, maybe don't touch the plugs. Then, if that's well, the case. Uh, you know, it's um, it you, seems to be running the same as it did when I bought it. You know, both of them. So yeah. It's like, so, then, uh, uh, you know, so sort of based on based on that, um, you know, you might you might want to say, you know what, it's. Uh, I'm going to hold on to it. So, I just, yeah, I just have a problem I, with plugs, maybe. Yeah, I just uh, googled broken spark plug Ford, and the first thing that came up was some website AA1 car, and it says, uh, it says, um, watch out, Ford Motorcraft two speed uh, two piece sixteen millimeter high thread spark plugs that break. Um, it says, uh, it says the. Uh, um, the 5.4 liter V8, some of the V10s, some of the Mustangs with the v, with the 4.6 liter, the 5.4 liter V8. Um, plugs can break when you attempt to remove them, um, and it lists a whole bunch of them where uh, that include that include it, which is uh, which uh, looks like your vehicle. Uh, vehicles with these spark plugs include 2004 to 2008 Ford F150s and uh, E150s. Um, they have a crimped lower electrode shell that becomes coated with carbon, causes it to stick in the cylinder head, rust and corrode, and uh, says worse yet, if any shell or fag, uh, fragment falls into the cylinder, it can't be fished out. Uh, many experts recommend replacing original equipment motorcraft plugs uh, before they get too many miles on them. Over 40, replacing the plugs at low mileage will reduce the chances of sticking. Waiting until the original equipment plugs have 100,000 miles on them is asking for trouble. Wow. So. So I'm late to the. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well. Yeah, well. There's there's a lot of things in my life are that way. So, so So they say. How to remove spark plugs so they do not break. First, start with a cold engine. Loosen each spark plug a quarter of a turn, then stop. Spray some kind of good lubricant like WD-40 or something else, and then let it sit for 15 minutes. Overnight is recommended if the plugs have 80,000 miles on them. After the penetrating oil is a time to work. Um, slowly loosen each plug, applying no more than 35 foot-pounds of torque with a wrench. Um, Retighten half a turn, apply more penetrating oil if you feel anything happening. Remove carbon from the inside of the combustion chamber. Prior to changing the spark plugs can reduce your risk of the spark plugs. Uh, sticking and breaking using top-tier gasoline can help. If you break a plug, Ford has a technical service bulletin, and uh, and uh, Napa also has a short video on how to what to do. Lyle, a tool old-time tool company, also sells a spark plug repair kit. Um, it just makes it makes life a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Okay. 
All right. Thank you very All much. All right. Take care. Good luck. 617-770-3030. Why don't we take another break? Pay some more bills. There's bills around here. Remember, if you'd like something to do with uh, this radio station, give Pat Ryan, drop Pat Ryan an email, Pat R at Boston, at SalemBoston.com. Um, you can come in here and have some fun, sell, sell some advertising, meet some new people. Check it out. Check out uh, Salem Boston. Check it all out. We'll be right back. Just a little dish to be worth a flathead meal. Little GTO, you really look inside. Three deuces and a four speed, and a 389. Listen to her tacking up now. And welcome back to the Cardinal Current with the MFWROL, the Spirit of Austin on 100.3 FM or WROLradio.com. Remember, you can find, I, I still post as many programs as possible on johnfpaul.podomatic.com. Um, that is my podcast site. I only have so much storage, so there's about 25 to 50 shows in there. Um, something like that. Also, if you Google the program, you may find a different podcast site. It's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. And on that site, it's free, and there's no limit. So you can put as many programs up as you want. I don't know how they're going to sustain themselves. I know YouTube does it, but they don't seem to have any advertising, so I'm not quite sure how they do it yet. Uh, but right now it's free, and I and so I put everything up on both sites. Uh, if you are on social media, uh, my social media on Facebook is Mr. John F. Paul at Facebook, and there is also the Car Doctor podcast page on Facebook where I don't put a lot of explanation, but when you see the little picture, if you click on it, it will take you to the podcast so you can find the program if you missed it or you want to hear something over again or you think I said something stupid and you want to just confirm it, you can figure it out that way. Uh, U.S. automakers reaffirm a commitment to diesel technology according to, well, should be no surprise, the Diesel Technology Forum. Um, today, American Automotive Executives reaffirmed, and today was September 10th, uh, reaffirmed their commitment to diesel technology. New statistics about the future of the U.S. automotive diesel market came to light at an event hosted in Washington Automotive Press Association, WAPA, which is what that really is. Uh, from General Motors, confirmed diesel engines could continue to play an important role in the company's lineup of propulsion options. Um, Ford is coming out with a light-duty diesel in their F-150. The diesel propulsion system remains a key component of uh, GM's vehicle lean- lineup with 13 different models offering diesels as an option. Okay, what's your name? Uh, consumers around the globe continue to ask for diesel options, especially in our pickup trucks and SUVs. Haven't seen much in an SUV uh, where diesels can offer outstanding fuel economy and range they demand. In the U.S. and Canada, the introduction of a Chevrolet Colorado diesel midsize pickup and the GM terrain diesel compact SUV have proven out to be a success. I have never seen a GMC terrain diesel ever. Um, General Motors Regional Chief Engineer, our diesel centers of expertise in Italy, in the United States, where all our diesel engines are engineered, are poised to continue serving the world's diesel market for years to come. Well, 
They might, GM might have diesel engineering in Italy, but I know anyone who's of a certain age remembers that GM tried to build a diesel out of a gasoline engine, and it was built here, and that was a disaster. Uh, during the same event, uh, analysts from IHS Market and the Diesel Technology Forum unveiled new vehicles in use and market tra- penetration for the U.S. diesel market. As we heard today, automakers have confidence in diesel technology as a choice, well, except for Volkswagen, for powering tomorrow's cars, SUVs, trucks, and vans. According to Alan Schaefer, he's the executive director of the Diesel Technology Forum and has been on this radio program. The bottom line is... Consumers want choices, and diesel is one of those choices. And this goes back to what I said many, many years ago, that in the turn of the last century, so in the early 1900s, when you were buying a car, it could run on diesel, it could run on gasoline, it could run on batteries, it could run on wood chips, They actually had a car that ran on wood chips. It could run on uh, acetylene. It could run on steam, which was heated heated by a fossil fuel of some sort. Um, Could be acetylene. Uh, So there there was all kinds of things that powered up original 1900s cars. And today, I believe today, that when people want choices, which is what this is all about, you might go and say you want to go buy a terrain. Did and people put gas in their cars in the 1900s? Yes, they did. They did them. There was a, They had gas pumps and everything. So, yeah. Um, but there was, uh, and people, and in fact, the early diesel engines were invented in such a way that people could make their own fuel because you could make it out of, Diesel diesel is vegetable oil. So if you grew peanuts, you could make peanut oil and you could burn it in your car. So that was the idea behind the original diesels were that that a farmer could essentially never could make their own fuel forever and ever and ever. Life so, hacks. I uh like life hacks. Have you yeah. ever heard of life hacks? No. Oh, it it it's like a life hack. I guess you take uh I guess you take... Oh, okay, life hack. Oh, okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same sort of idea. Certain, like, household items or certain things you find. Yeah. But what can happen is you're going to go out and buy a car, and you're going to say, no, I want... And and Honda's pretty close right now. You can go out and buy a Honda Clarity, gasoline engine, gasoline hybrid engine, plug-in hybrid, hydrogen Clarity. So the only thing they're really missing is... Nothing, actually. Diesel. So, you know, there may, who knows, there, in some market there may be diesel, which is kind of, which is kind of, you know, the reason behind this. Keith, do we have a call over there? Yes, we do. We have, uh, what's his name? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Len from Bill Ricca. Good. Len, is that you? Hello. Hello. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, uh, how how are how are things up in the Merrimack Valley, by the way? Well, I'm I'm safe where I am. Yeah. I've been working. I mean, they got to drive a little ways to get in all of that trouble they had up there, yeah. which was horrible. Yeah. 
um, four cylinder engines. Uh, I'd like, you know, the six cylinder. Uh, but uh, are there any ones that you'd shy away from if you were looking for a car? Hmm. Four cylinder engines. No, uh, I mean the four cylinder engines now are, and it, you know, it's kind of started. You know, when people said, "I don't want a six cylinder engine because it's it's um, it's." Not yeah, as you're breaking up on me. I can't hear you. Yeah, I, you know, it's like uh, I don't want I don't want a six cylinder engine because they're not as powerful as a V eight engine. And the four cylinders, I have a four cylinder engine in my car that makes more power than the than the V six engine it replaced. So you look at that and you go, you know, the four cylinder engine's fine. And people say, well, how long is that four cylinder engine going to last? Well, most of us only drive with our foot barely touching the gas pedal. If you drove with your foot to the floor all the time, yeah, then maybe a four cylinder engine wouldn't last. So I wouldn't, I, you know, I would go out and the engine would be the near the bottom of the list of things I would look at that would make me decide whether I wanted the car or not. Yeah, yeah. You get uh, you were breaking up for a while, but you get great performance out of the fours today. Yeah, the fours. I mean, there are some four-cylinder engines that make three hundred horsepower. Now, those wow. engines are, you know, those engines. You know, people might think, well, they're a little bit like time bombs because they're working so hard. But even at that, when you're out on the highway cruising at sixty-five miles an hour, you're only using about fifteen horsepower. So oh, wow. most of us never really use the horsepower that's there anyway. My little four-cylinder engine in my car makes 185 horsepower. The V6 engine that was in the older version of my car made seven horsepower less. Oh, for crying so, Yeah, so you, I wouldn't shy away from a four-cylinder. No, no, not at all. Okay. All okay? Right. Yeah, okay, thanks so much. Okay, sure thing. Bye. So... Yeah, four-cylinder engines are pretty amazing these days. I remember the first time I saw a Honda engine that made 200 horsepower. It was it was almost uh, people looked at it and said it's amazing that that something could something that small could make that kind of horsepower. But in fact, you know, we're seeing more and more of it. We're talking. I mentioned Volkswagen for a minute. Volkswagen may add a pickup truck to there. You know, they had they had a uh, rabbit pickup truck once. But they may add a pickup truck. And it's kind of funny. They they put out this information very, very early. And uh, they don't know what it's going to be yet. They don't know if it's going to be a pickup truck based on the Atlas, so their big SUV, or it's going to be a rebadged version of the new Ford Ranger, which doesn't really exist yet either. So they're not quite sure yet. Um but they're saying Volkswagen must decide whether to give U.S. dealers a next-generation Amarok, A-M-A-R-O-K, essentially a rebadged body-on-frame Ford Ranger, or a unibody pickup built in its Chattanooga plant that is derived from the Atlas-based concept. The decision will test um, the independence of Volkswagen's group in America um, and see how see what their what the German bosses think. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, there's also going to be an Atlas cross-sport. It's a uh, shorter two-row version of the Atlas, so uh, a bigger a bigger vehicle than Tiguan. Uh, the Atlas seems to be doing really well. I see a lot of them on the road. The Tiguan grew up in the past couple of years and uh, looks like it's going to stay around till at least 2020. But what's sort of interesting is some of the cars that 
they claim are going to come to market, the ID Cross. It's a roomy electric crossover that will feature all-wheel drive when it arrives in the U.S. in 2020. It will be built on VW's uh, electric vehicle architecture. The ID Buzz, the retro-style three-row electric minivan, that will be a couple years later. The Just the ID, a small electric hatchback that will arrive in 2021 and will feature onboard navigation and augmented reality. I don't even know what that means. Well, I knew what augmented reality is, but I don't know if I want augmented reality in my car. Um, the T-Rock, um, barring an outcry from dealers and a sudden shift in consumer preferences, the compact crossover will remain in Europe for the time being and will not be imported. I think that's a mistake because small crossovers are doing pretty well. Of course, they're smart. So, The Phaeton, Volkswagen has, you know, they were talking about bringing back the Volkswagen Phaeton. The Phaeton was essentially an Audi A8, and it was the most expensive Volkswagen at the time. I think it was like an $80,000 car, and I remember showing it to somebody who could afford it, unlike me, and they said, I want, I want to buy this car, and I said, how come? And they said, because it offers everything an Audi has without somebody going, oh, there's a jerk in an Audi. He's just a guy in a Volkswagen. And I'm like, well, that kind of that kind of makes some sort of weird sense in some sort of way that, you know, there's that's a that's a good way to think of it, I suppose. The Phaeton, one of the things that didn't sell, by the way, it, it was sort of a failure. Um, but one of the things about the Phaeton, which I thought was pretty interesting, was the, that was a car that depreciated like crazy. The next year or two, and again, it was an $80,000 car, and I bet two years later you could have bought it for $40,000. And a lot of people leased them, and when they came off leases, um, they, they, they were really, really good value. And they were a really nice car at the same time. There's Paul Sullivan sitting over there, right in the corner, mm-hmm. breaking headphones or whatever he's doing. Did you put them back together? Yeah, on, on the broken chair. On the broken chair. See, it, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. But you're you're sitting, so that's good. Am I am? I'm, I'm reflecting. I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, you yeah. want to know what I'm thinking about? Uh, no. Well, I'll tell you anyway because it's my turn. Um, it is. It is. You, you, know, you got you got like two and a half minutes. I, I I like Dennis a lot. Yeah. I love Karen, and I adored Marita. But I I believe Keith has uh, transmogrified the uh, producer role. On, oh, on thank you, sir. Don't you think? In a in a magical and creative sort creative of way, magical way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. So, so you've been thinking for a while how to how to work that word for several into moments another, yes. into into another into another uh, uh, conversation. A little inside baseball. During the last break, I was talking about something, and I used South the word, Boston. South Boston, right? I said there's been a transmogrification down there, and JP said, and I said, what, what? the hell is that? <laughs> So we did a little uh, vocabulary building during the uh, yeah. during the break. We did, you know, and and now that's always fun. Yeah. So, and yeah. Yep. Yep. So, well, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. No, it's good. It's good for you. I think it's n- it's nice to engage your brain and challenge yourself and and learn new things. Yeah, it is. Unless my brain is too old. Well, yeah. you know, <laughs> my dad's living with me now, right? You know that, right? Yep. Ninety three years old. Yep. I think he stopped learning. See, I'm only 30, and I feel like I'm forgetting words, you know? 
Well, I mean, yeah. you, you do associate with a lot of different words, and mm-hmm. some of them you don't use so much. In yeah. fact, if you ever if you ever studied or learned a different language and then didn't use it for a while, it goes away. Yeah, it goes away. It's yeah, like so. it's like it's like when I tried to learn Excel. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was stupid. It was Why? a waste of time. I I never, I never <laughs> used it afterwards. Oh probably. yeah, like I forgot all my French. Yeah. I yeah. I took a French class. Oui. I forgot it all. Hey, uh, the rooster is uh, out at He's the out uh, about city t- Boston. Talking about, that's right? why we're talking about South Boston yeah, because yeah. you know the the neighborhood has um, gone through a transmogrification over <laughs> uh, you know decades. And, yeah, so. and and uh, Southeast, my old stomping grounds. Yeah, but, yep. But it's still a wonderfully um, eclectic um, place. Hey, eclectic. That's another one. Uh, yeah, but that uh, word I know. Yeah, yeah all right. I've, I've used eclectic. Eclectic. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. So and, and it's it's yeah. beautiful, and hopefully the weather clears up a little bit. It's the fog burns off. It's and I guarantee it. Yep. So so uh, Johnny's going to be over at the City of Boston Credit Union, so that'll be fun. And um, yeah. the festival takes yep. place all day today. Yep. Uh, uh, the rooster will check in with me. I think after eleven o'clock yep. and for a few hours, and he's always up to some kind of uh, uh, glorious mischief. So oh yeah, that'll be yeah. He, yeah. He's. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but I stopped into the uh, bar he works at. He's, oh, what a surprise! He works at a bar. Yeah, he's hysterical. <laughs> he's oh, hysterical. I bet, I bet. Over at over at Bates in uh, Weymouth at the Weymouth Landing, he was hysterical. Uh, it's too bad he doesn't have any jobs. You know, he's yeah, he's, yeah. He works here, post postman, service, bar, yeah. and and uh, and works at a bar three nights a week. So, uh, but uh, but good guy, fun guy, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Stop over at uh, Boston McLaren over in Norwell at Queen Anne's Corner. Check out. I don't know, $50 million worth of Clarence. That's going to be pretty cool. Go check that out. And thoughts and prayers to our friends up in Merrimack Valley trying to get through everything they have to get through up there. Um, Tough time up there. Coming up next, Paul Sullivan and the very best in Irish music with the Irish Hit Parade. Until next week. Trying to transmogrify Boston Radio. We are. (laughs) Until next week, wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Thank you, Keith. Take care. Bye-bye.